Hey, quick disclaimer, we're adults, we're going to swear and cuss during this show, so please put on some headphones if you're listening in public. Alright, thanks. Enjoy the show. Hi everyone. This is She's Gotta Watch It, and I'm Maya. I'm Raven. And welcome to Season 2. She's gotta wa- 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 watch, watch it. She's gotta wa- watch it. 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 I'm really rusty. It's been yeah. a minute. But uh, what what she said. So, um, you know, I think we should just dive back into it. You know, like, no training wheels. No training wheels. Just like No apologies. Bike. No, I'm sorry for <laughs> being gone for so long. Hashtag work and Oh, no. Oh, no. We're going to come in stuff. all arrogant and be like, there's no apologies because you're <laughs> happy to be listening to us again. <laughs> Um, so you should be thankful that we <laughs> decided to record this audio for you of our television commentary. During times of corona. <laughs> <laughs> yes, welcome to season two, the COVID era of She's, She's Gotta, Gotta Watch It. <laughs> so as you can imagine, we've watched a lot of stuff during these unprecedented times. I hate that phrase at this point. <clears throat> Everyone does. Um, but there's one show that had a season two also mm-hmm. that you all really seem interested in us covering. So we're going to dive back into Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beast. All right. That's, that's it. That's season two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I figured you start because it's one. She likes it when I do the recaps. I do like it when you do recaps. I think they're very good and I think they give listeners a chance to stop kind of at the spoiler part before we really dig into like the conversation the analysis okay, spoiler we're gonna talk about kipo and the age of one to be season two so if you haven't watched that you should probably not be listening to this podcast no, right remember, now like when we try to do like an analysis where we kind of like talk a around some of the big plot points without giving anything away okay. and then we kind of go into like all the meat you know like you give your general impressions first and then we kind of go into like the real discussion fine i guess we'll grace them with this formatting oh my God. that they apparently in- enjoyed the first time around so <laughs> we know from season one of kipo oh golly geez got... why are we still doing this <laughs> we've got this girl named kipo it's okay she's gonna be fine y'all Got this girl named Kipo. She has emerged from the borough that is the underground where she's been living, while above ground is this post apocalyptic world where humans basically don't exist and it's been overrun by plants and wonder beasts. So, all these like uh, mutes, as they call them, which uh, stands for basic mutations. These are mutated animals who some of them can talk, they've got slightly different. You know, abilities, some of them are mega, like they're giant, freaking enormous, like they're entire buildings, they might as well be a... Like Godzilla, like, yeah. um, what's the name for that? Um, kaiju. Kaiju. Yeah, but they're like cuddly kaiju, because yeah. they're like corgis that are like, 
10 stories high. I don't like dogs, but I, I would frolic with one of those dogs. Well, what about the mega bunnies? They scare me. They scare everybody. Yeah. They got like six ears. It's a little creepy to look at. Because if you, what, if, what is it? If you like rub against them or whatever, they just start attacking you or something like if that? You, if they smell the scent of a mega bunny on you. So if you like, if you've got like their fur, like a piece of their fur or like a baby mega bunny. Mega bunny. That was cute. They chase, chase you down. So that's the kind of world she's living in, right? She's getting chased down by animals. She finds some human friends, Benson and Wolf. Benson has a sidekick named Dave, who's this bug thing that mutates constantly and goes through like its whole life cycle multiple times in a row. And then molting. hilarity ensues, and then we get to season two. So impressions of season two. Season two. So you already know, you already know, Maya, that I didn't like season two as much as season one. I had some sadness because I really wanted more of the backstories of Wolf and Benson. Mm. And they really, really dug their heels into the sidekick roles mm. in this season. You get some episodes that are sort of dedicated to them, but it's not enough. Mm. Like, you get the wolf episode where she shows Kipo some of her old stomping grounds. Um, you get some flashbacks of Benson and Dave's life together. But even these are almost strictly used as just ways to push the plot forward because they always tied back into something happening in the moment in a very direct kind of way. Hmm. Like, not in that, like, oh, that's informing how this character is acting now way, but, like, oh, that, you know, bat that Dave and Benson ran into in the cave has come back. Hmm. <laughs> like, very direct kind of connections were being made there. Um, you do get some of Benson's character getting to have a little love story, but the boy he falls in love with isn't in most of the season. <laughs> so you kind of don't care, meaning you want to see this boy love story play out and not just be like fragmented scenes like several episodes apart. So I had some issues with this season. Um, however, a lot of people I know loved it because it addresses why Kipo in season one starts getting fur on her arms. Mm. Um, so we, we learn the backstory behind like what is happening to Kipo's body, why it's happening, what it means. Mm. And we get the backstory of our villain, Scarlemagne. Because mm. we didn't really talk about Scarlemagne as deeply as we could have season one because he kind of came in towards the end as this is the big bad villain moment. And now you get to really see Scarlemagne and, and what makes him and you start to have different feelings about him a little bit. Mm. Very similar to how I felt about Catra mm. in uh, She-Ra. She-Ra, She-Ra. <laughs> so, we're going to maybe dive into some more spoiler waters here. We'll try to steer clear, but um, you might hear some things you didn't know if you're not done with the series yet. Yeah, so this is your uh, time to peace out. If you don't want to piece in. No. That was, yeah, you're still rusty. That was corny. So, I know you had a different view of this season than I did. We actually, I watched it first and then I rewatched it with you. Mm -hmm. So, give me your take. Uh, my take was it was a solid second season. I mean, it wasn't my favorite season of an animated series that I watched. It wasn't my least favorite, you know, like... I think that in a lot of ways it followed some 
predictable plot lines in terms of like understanding Scarlet Mane's backstory and character and also with Kipo in terms of thinking about like how she can control her furriness and her muteness like I think that those things for me were a little predictable and like a little already done but they weren't necessarily done poorly um and so I think it made it you know as an adult who watches a lot of cartoons watches a lot of tv you kind of anticipate the storyline so you get a little disinterested in it but it doesn't mean that it wasn't solid and you know going thinking through our conversations that we had about Benson and about Wolf like I see where you're going with it because I think a lot of the things that made season one really interesting was that you know I feel like Wolf got a lot of time to be developed as like a deep character and I think that's why a lot of people fell in love with Wolf because in a lot of ways Wolf's character as like the stoic black like young kid is something that's like always been done but sometimes people just leave it at that but to really think about like what it means to have to learn how to protect yourself protect your heart protect your relationships when you've been hurt I think that was a really important storyline and to your point it would have been interesting to sort of understand how she got there you know like how did she get to be with the wolves like by herself trying to navigate the space how did Benson really end up with Dave and how did Benson end up with Dave and how did they both end up alone because like we understand how people ended up alone and we do actually know how Benson got Dave but yeah, but I meant that in the sense of like how right, like how Benson wound up alone and then later finding Dave. Yeah. Um and I think that and there you know, I understand that there's not always narrative space, creative space. Like, you know, there a lot of work goes into animation. So, you know, when you're trying to really focus a storyline, you gotta focus that storyline. But like you said, I think they did a good job in season one balancing that out. And if it mean if it meant that they had to stretch what happens in season two between season two and season three, then I think I would have been okay with that. Like I think I would have been okay if we didn't quite understand why Scarlet Wing was Scarlet Wing until season three, mm. or we didn't quite understand why um, Kipo goes through uh, these transformations, or even if we didn't quite understand who the big monkey was, right? Like I think if some of those different you know, discoveries and plot lines had been pushed to a different season to leave space for these other characters. I think that, for me, that would have been okay. And, you know, I feel you on that. Because, like, the Scarlet Mane mystery was one of those real good kinds of mysteries that you could have let play out for, like, a long, long time. But part of the reason they didn't do it, obviously, is in this pacing, that they also brought in a new villain, mm-hmm. Dr. Amelia. Yeah. So... That makes the plot thicken. Um, and it seems like, and because Dr. Amelia is directly tied to Scarlemagne, who we now know is really Hugo. I mean, we, we knew in season one, at the end, we're like, why is Kipo's dad, Leo, calling this monkey Hugo? We don't know this monkey is Scarlemagne. Because Hugo was his first given name. Hmm. Scarlemagne's his chosen name, his hmm. villain name, so to speak. Um, but now he has Dr. Amelia, who is, like, the ultimate villain in a way, because she's the human, who is deeply, flawedly human, mm-hmm. right? So let's look at, like, 
some of the plot things that did come out this season, even though there's a lot of things that really probably could have waited or things you would have liked to see. Um, so we get Scarlet Mane's backstory, how he was a uh, mandrel monkey being used to for humans to figure human scientists to figure out how mutes become mutes, right? So they're testing all these drugs on him. Eventually it works. Leo and his wife Song are there for this and they protect Hugo. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Amelia finds out and is like, I'm gonna exploit the shit out of this monkey. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. Hugo not only is a mute that can like talk and, and has like great cognition beyond your typical monkey, more into like a human realm, um, where he can like, he actually has also like this pheromone mm -hmm. um, mutation where the natural pheromones that his species already has are heightened and he can basically throw his sweat at anybody and then say words to them and control them. And Dr. Amelia is like, that sounds like a great thing to be able to do. Let's make this monkey run on a treadmill for days on end and collect all his sweat. Yes. So um, that leaves Leo and Song with a really weird decision to make. Um, later on and it it just gets way more complicated because they're about to have a baby and have baby Kipo who is also an experiment who is really cool with being an experiment because she finds out in the season oh, I'm going to mutate into a gigantic jaguar that's a, or excuse me a mega a mega jaguar that sounds great my parents were such brilliant scientists like they managed to splice my genes with a mega jaguar and this is really cool superpower stuff. Like, she's not phased by the fact that she's going to turn into a giant cat, like, at all. With the exception of how she's going to turn back into a human. Because mm -hmm. her dad does give her a heads up. Like, once you go jaguar, you don't go back. <laughs> I, I, I tried. Yeah, that um, one didn't hit right. But that's okay. <laughs> Whoops, did I just change the rating on our podcast? <laughs> But, you know, it's interesting because I've been thinking about it, too, once, like, we talked about it, and I feel like uh, part of that has to do with the fact that she isn't around when sort of the the animals mutate, so she has no fear of it. So you, it's, it's interesting to think about how, like, she can't fear becoming a mute because she's never really had any type of, like, aversion to... Mutes, you That's know, true. so it's sort of like, why would I fear this thing that I see as just a part of my environment? She spent all season one trying yeah. to friend every single mute. Every, everybody. So it's like, if she doesn't have hatred towards mutes, why would she have fear or hatred towards herself in terms of like turning into one? But like you said, the scary part is wanting, knowing that like she could potentially lose herself. And she's like, I want to ex be able to experience my full person. So I don't want to, like, turn into a mute and not be able to be Kipo again or not be able to communicate with my friends or not be able to, like, you know, have autonomy over my body because of this experiment. And so that fear is really deep in this one. Um, and I think the same thing could be said for Scarlet Mane. And maybe, like, you can speak more to Scarlet Mane because I feel like in terms of thinking about him and Catra, you're just, like, on it. Ooh, okay. I, I like that you brought that up and how it might have been a, a thing for Scarlet Mane because I think the one thing I haven't really thought through all the way is the fact that Scarlet Mane's biggest fear is to go back to being your average mandrel. He doesn't want to be your typical monkey again. 
he's understood what it means to have an even further elevated intelligence. I say that because monkeys aren't dumb. No, they're not. They're not. Um, but he has such greater abilities now. He has power, too. And that's one of the biggest things when he first realizes he has those powers. Cause he's like, hey, like, you know, Leo, Song, let's just get out of here because I can control them and we could just leave now. And they're like, no, 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 wait. We got to wait till the baby's born, which we can talk about how that was not the smartest decision. I'm like, girl, you could run now. You might be pregnant, but you're fine. Like, you don't need to wait for the baby to come to have <laughs> to worry about, about feeding the baby and run away at the same time. The pregnant, the, the uh, pregnant, I can't even get it out. Pregnant, 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 pregnant. The scene where she's, like, in labor, and then she, like, gives birth, and then all of a sudden she's just in regular clothes again, and she's like, cool, let's go. I'm like, I don't think, and as a kid's show, but in my mind, I was just like. Yeah, they 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 basically <laughs> like, no baby baby, done. Um, But his greatest fear is to lose, basically is to lose his, what he's seeing as his humanness, in mm-hmm. a way. Like, he's really. But I don't even know if he knows if it. That, that that's what it is, right? Because he's because he's also like he's obsessed with the idea of monarchy True. and kings and these very human ideologies in of how hierarchies look and not an animal ideology of hierarchies look. That's true, but I guess it's weird to call well, it I his humanness but... when. For, yeah, I guess I don't know. Part of me was just like, it's yes, but then part of me wants to be like it's also just him, you know? Like once he gains that knowledge it's like it would be it's not just as humanness it's him it's he's him. like i'm not right go i'm not Charlemagne without these this knowledge and these experiences and based experiences. on the things that i've yeah. been introduced to this is the way i understand like power power and history working and it comes through in all the opulence right like that whole like monarchy and regency and like everything in gold everything in gold this monkey loves to put everything in gold but it's interesting to think how, like, if he hadn't been abandoned, because he was abandoned, if he hadn't been abandoned, his ideas of power might have been different. Especially since, um, people's dad, what is his name again? I always Leo. Forget. Thank you. I always forget his name. <laughs> That's why you do the recap. You're like Sterling K. Brown. <laughs> yes, pretty much. <laughs> Especially since, you know, Sterling. Like, <laughs> I think it was Leo was trying to teach him, like, you don't, power isn't manipulation. Like, there's other ways to get people to do what you would like them to do without manipulating them. Like, there's Mm -hmm. other ways to treat people. But once he's abandoned, he's like, I have to fend for myself. So I have to find ways to assert authority and power that resembles a lot of what we would think of as, like, sort of like you said humanist like in the fact that we think of sort of this like aggression give or take as specifically human i think is also really interesting mm. that's fair i think it's yeah something about just like the level of manipulation and the level of like adoration and worship that he also wants to because he's like i will be you know your king i will be your emperor like I'm going to have a whole coronation ceremony. Like, that, I think, was why I made, felt, I mean, like, very uniquely human. But you are correct that it's really about him and him losing himself. And, oh, my gosh, the abandonment thing is where, like, because at first I was having real strong, like, catcher vibes. It was, but, but, before, but, but before the abandonment thing, before the abandonment thing, because 
that's why I was like, because eh, eh, you're not completely wrong. Because, and it goes into the abandonment thing, is I do think there is this wish to, like you said, emulate humanness, even if I think there's still something about him just trying to keep a piece of himself because he's like, not evolved, but he's become this this entity. And it has to do with the fact that like, he had this love and then it's it's taking away once Kipo, a supposedly like hu- like only like only human baby is born. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think there is something to like the grandeur, like you abandoned me, like look at me now. Like I can assume this like humanness in this role and things like that. But I think that's part of his um identification with power mm-hmm. not necessarily his fear of losing himself if that makes sense like i think there's some type of divide there that maybe i'm not saying exactly um right but um and i think it rolls into the abandonment thing too right because he can one of the ways that he acquires this impulse is because he was abandoned. And because when he has to face Leo, and Leo's, like, describing that abandonment, he's like, so you chose that your child over me. I thought I was also your child. Like, you raised me. You took care of me. But I wasn't yours enough. I wasn't mm-hmm. human enough for you. Even though I am what you made and I am me. So why can't you except me for who I am. And I think there's something there, but I'm not quite getting at it. Yeah, it's... It's just really... That whole scene is really complicated. So we're talking about right now the scene where um, Scarlamane... I'm calling him Scarlamane at this point. Mm. Where, where Scarlamane, in his last moments, essentially, as Hugo, mm. is talking to Leo in the forest because he's they happen to basically run into each other. And it's after um, uh, Song and Leo try to flee their burrow with Kipo. The burrow, everything's destroyed. Um, and they left Hugo behind. And they already told Hugo, we're going to come, like you mentioned before, we're going to come get you. And we're all going to leave as a family. And Hugo looks at Leo and is like, did you even look for me? Because here's Leo being like, oh, oh, you're here. Oh, how how nice. Uh, Yeah, let's be a family again. And Hugo's like, but you never looked for me. Like, and, here, and Leo's making excuses about how, like, well, I had to keep her out and, you know, blah, blah. And Hugo's like, is she wearing my blanket? Like, he catches all these little things and, like, all these little nuances of Leo's response and Leo's demeanor that makes it clear that Leo's like, you're still kind of an afterthought. Mm. You know, like, I'm glad you're here, but not, you know, it's not this ultimately happy reunion. It's this, this is still on Leo's kind of terms reunion. And Hugo's like, uh-uh, I'm not having that. Like, Hugo's even like, can I hold the baby? And, Leo, and Leo's like, no. <laughs> and mm. I understand that that Hugo makes a face. Oh, that I was going to say that. I think oh, you're, no. That looks real yeah, evil, no, but it doesn't help because Leo admits to not, coming back to look for Hugo he's like don't touch my baby and it's just this breaking point where Hugo turns to Scarlamane because he's like I'm really not your family mm. like I'm so much so not your family that like you won't in this moment physically bring me into your family even though you're telling me to come with you mm. but I can't hold the baby mm. like 
I you're like you didn't come look for me. I was like, Leo, just lie. All you do is lie. <laughs> like just be like, I did and I couldn't find you. <laughs> like there were all kinds of things. He could have told the whole story about how they found out that Song actually was gonna turn to a monkey. And he could he could at least make better excuses than I just had to flee because in this moment it's very clear that we are both alive right now and you had the ability to go back and look for me. You just haven't used it. Yeah. Like that's a very apparent thing in that moment. And so Hugo leaves, he goes and finds his minions, he looks in the mirror, sees all scars in his face, he's like, I'm Scarlet Mane now. <laughs> like, y'all better recognize. And he's just like, I'm going to rule this world because I'm not, mm-hmm. basically it's all about how, yeah, like he's like, I'm not going to be at the bottom of anyone's list anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, if no one cares about me, I'm going to make them care about me. And mm-hmm. I'm also going to show them at least like the other mutes, how like superior I am mm-hmm. because I am special and I need someone to recognize I am special because right now I don't feel like I'm anything. Mm-hmm. Like I think the fact that he literally tried to wipe away his Hugo identity mm-hmm. with a whole new name in this moment is very poignant because he also is like, he won't, he doesn't even, he's like, don't call me Hugo. And it's like, mm-hmm. he just is like, that's not a thing. And, you know, choosing your own name is a really big step and like, moving forward with presenting who you want to be to the world. Yeah. And he picked quite a name <laughs> and he stepped out into who he wanted to be into the world and you can't really blame him. And I think you made a really good point the first time we watched that scene about Leo though, where you're like, this seems really not characteristic for his, for, for him. Like, yeah. You know, it's clearly not something that Kipo has learned because she's very much no person, mute, whatever, left behind. Mm-hmm. Like, when she hears Scarlamagne's story, she's like, oh, oh, we family. Yeah. Oh, we, we should be friends. I should be kind to you. Right. She's basically sitting up here apologizing for her dad. She has to explain to her dad that Scarlamagne is not just, like, inherently evil. Because this whole time this man's basically like, don't worry, Kipo, it's a lost cause. <laughs> And she's like, it's not. He just needs love. Yeah. And <laughs> you wonder where where that, where Leo's demeanor is coming from. Like, I, I just, I wonder if it's his failure with Hugo, now Scarlet Mane, that taught him how to be a better father to Kipo. Hmm. Or if he saw Kipo as a bridge between mutes and the human world, and so he needed to father her differently. But there's also this thing where, and I'm glad you said afterthought, because I think what the series sets you up for is because you have a moment of care between Song, Leo, and uh, Hugo, it's like, okay, cool, that's a family. And I do think they did a good job of being like, just because someone takes care of you in the moment doesn't mean necessarily mean that they're family. family. And I think it's in these times of, of crisis that you realize like who your people are. And, you know, Scarlet Mane is like, that was how about you and my people like when i was in a situation where i was being tortured for my abilities the only thing scarlet Mane had was to 
that hope that they would escape together. And they literally show Leo visiting him. Yeah, being in like, his cell multiple, multiple times. And Scarlett's like, "It's okay, it's okay. Like the baby's coming soon. Like we'll be okay. Like we will be a family." But you know, I think that in showing us these moments of Leo with people, Leo with like Hugo, Leo with Scarlett May, Leo, like with that, there's this progression of remember that to humans animals are still animals like it kind of goes back to our conversation mm-hmm. in the first season about like what this series might be doing you know like one of the, like late meanings of the season which is is not necessarily about or sorry it is about the ways that there is this human exceptionalism mm-hmm. so what happens if you know animals were to take over the earth like we are also animals <laughs> And so, like, what happens if we have to fight for our our supremacy? Like, humans, like, you know, Human like, supremacy. like, if we have to fight for our place on this earth, what would that look like? And how would animals react? And, like, if, like, what if we add in all these complications? In a lot of ways, Hugo is a complication of that. And I think that that's just a reminder of, yes, you have people who are well-intentioned, who would like to see change like song and we're like we should change this world like we shouldn't fear mutes like we should do all these things but when it comes down to it when it comes down to doing the work see what i'm doing here people <laughs> a lot of times shy away from it because it's too hard because they don't actually want to face that difference and so like that's why people is like an actual like actually a really important bridge but in a lot of ways like she has to learn how humans act and respond just that she has to learn how mutes act and respond in order to be that bridge. Like, it isn't a natural, uh, it isn't, like, a natural sensibility, if that makes sense. She needs to find her firebending master. And you, <laughs> sorry, we, you, you started talking, so I feel more like the avatar and the connection with the spirit realm. <laughs> and, like, an avatar last airbender. I mean, but, but a lot of kids' shows do have that, like, central character who has the ability to bond multiple people multiple groups World. together even she-ra yeah and they're the they're the arbitrator of their society they're the person that people listen to they're the person who can translate like all these desperate ideas and put them into something that can be actionable for everyone it might not always work but there's always that character who is the arbitrator of the world and i think people is supposed to be the arbitrator and she has to learn how to basically and body code switch because <laughs> she's literally switching <laughs> from one to the other it's true. and she has to learn how to root herself in something that is bigger than both so that she can have that ability and you know it's interesting because you know we've obviously hinted at the parallels that we i know brought up in season one i was talking about season one of kipo two of like parallels to like real life and like white supremacy and like real life issues and one thing that's also really got me about this too is the fact that like she's essentially a a multiracial <laughs> like being like I, multi well mixed race and multi-species it's <laughs> mixed, mixed species <laughs> at the same time like and on some levels that is yeah like that power of like all those things converging is so important and i think it's also part of where i get some of my disappointment too from the season is Mm. that not only do we get our two black sidekicks really set to the side 
but it's also the fact that like Leo let me down. I'm like, come on, blackmail. Come on, Sterling. Sterling K. Brown. This is not you. This is us. Anyways. Um <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. And then you have song. Getting into the groove. Who we, who we don't get to like who we get to know more of because before she was just like kind of this mythical mother, like the the, the like Disney dead mom effect. Um <laughs> And, and so, like, we finally get to realize she's not dead. She's been here the whole time, um, just as a mega monkey. And then you, but then I'm also like, okay, so we got the princess and the princess and the frog effect, where like this one of the Asian characters in the show is like a monkey and can't communicate <laughs> through like the vast majority of the series. Like what? <laughs> um, and those things are kind of frustrating to me, like. Like, as a person of color, you're just kind of, like, it's it's a little frustrating, like, to see that happening, even when the character in the forefront is also still a person of color. Mm-hmm. Like, also, she's literally purple. Like, <laughs> it's that thing where you grew up and your mom's like, I don't care if they white, if they black, if they purple. <laughs> like, God, treat everybody the same. You're like, okay. <laughs> Why do you find it frustrating? Because... I think it's like it's especially for like I think for me thinking about trying to think outside myself and think about like the Asian representation in the show like it's disappointing just in that like I said Princess and the Frog like how come you finally get someone who's a like crucial character in the show but not really like in the show like kind of way um and then there's the fact that like you know, you just, you have greater expectations than you probably should of your own people. Mm. Like, you have this expectation as a black person to be like, other black people will, like, do the right thing all the time, which is not true. Talking about <laughs> which is Leo. Not real. Yeah, talking about Leo. Mm. Like, mistakes get made. Like, mistakes get made? All the time. <laughs> um, Who makes them? I don't know. They just get made. Yeah, they just get, I mean, that's kind of how he acted. <laughs> Okay, people make mistakes. People, everybody makes mistakes. Um, black people make mistakes. Black people do things that disappoint their children, that disappoint, <laughs> you know, people around them, disappoint communities. And it's also like, I, I do have to catch myself there too, though, because I'm like, it ain't, it's nothing nearly as bad as Dr. Amelia and mm. her dumbass henchmen mm. who, I don't know how they were part of the scientific community when they clearly did not know how to science. <laughs> Um, talking about the dragonfly is broken. I can fix it though. I just need another dragonfly. dragonfly. <laughs> like, I'm like, okay. Yeah. Um, maybe not the best choices of uh, scientific folks. I guess in terms of brute force, they're good to have on your side. Yeah. Um, and in terms of manipulation, right? And like, and you know, Doctor Amelia fits the the phenotype for a typical white lady blonde hair pretty sure blue eyes like and mean look like i am your new villain hello like and and she's here to strip everything from all of these beautifully diverse creatures including the humans Mm. like you know she's literally stalked this like family of color for 13 years like Mm -hmm. trying to you know control their bodies like that's jacked up and that's nowhere it's like it's it's on a different scale than leo like abandoning starlemane even though that's still 
a terrible thing to do. Like I also have to recognize that like imprison like imprisoning several people and monkeys, like a mega monkey and you know, manipulating them the same way Skarmia was manipulating other animals through stolen pheromones that you used, you tortured an animal to get. Like, yeah, that's that's, he- that's beyond bad. That's mm-hmm. terrible. Like, this lady's a cartoon terrorist. Like, <laughs> is jacked up. Um, She's a cartoon terrorist. And then she's gonna roll up with her manifesto on everybody at the end of the season and be like, humans are supreme. <laughs> like, and I have a way to stop all these, like, you know, mutated mm-hmm. animals, so we can take back our world. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Like, now you sound like all the white supremacists right now who are like, oh, no, <laughs> we're being outpaced and birthed by, like, brown people. <laughs> like, it's the end of the world. <laughs> Even though we're already technically the minority around the world. But in the U.S., it's the end. Um you know, she she on that 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 tip, and that's not that ain't cute. Yeah, she's on the tip where the world has changed, and instead of changing with it, is fighting to maintain the status quo. <laughs> Hashtag COVID. It's like wear a fucking mask. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, it yeah, it goes. I think it goes into what you said about um, just there. There's, I had this thought about um, the way the show constructs sort of a sense of like how we got here, hmm. right? And it's like, this is how we got here. This is how we got to this like pivotal moment where we find out all these truths, where more truths are unraveling. But for the most part, this is how we got here. But I think what's interesting is we still don't know where the muse came from. It's true. Like, no one, like, that is a mystery potentially for season three or like, further along. Like, it's been 300 years. Humans somehow survived underground. We and, don't know what the cataclysmic event was that led to them abandoning. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if the origin is more human, exp- like, more scientific experiments. Uh-huh. Because as curious as humankind is... Sometimes our curiosity is just a problem. <laughs> Snow piercer. <laughs> curiosity and capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole nother podcast. And I think what's interesting is like, as a scientist, it's like the world has changed. Let's embrace this change and think about how we can like live with it, not necessarily destroy it. I mean, it came about for a reason. Was it a, a natural occurrence? Was it something that was like introduced into the into the ecosystem like what what happened and it's it's interesting to for me for dr amelia to have so much sort of like you know hatred and vitriol but i'm like she ain't 300 years she ain't that old enough to know what happened and so she's operating off a a current history right a recent history that's been written down or that's been passed down or that's just been experienced through the terror of not of of literally like you know it's dangerous now so it's like you can't really go on the surface without feeling like you might be prey mm-hmm. and so i like in that sense you're like okay cool i understand why you are mad though but like you can't be mad and think this is your rightful place if you actually don't know the history which is how like in american <laughs> in the united states is how we get into me so many arguments 
specifically with white folks you'd be like this is my country this ain't your country you literally stole this <laughs> stole it from indigenous folks and then had black folks build it for you and they got mad when black folks was like i don't want to build this shit for you you stole me too and then it's like but why y'all angry what do you think yes and that's what makes it so fascinating too is that they really part of and i get wh- why they also want to bring her in with the scarlamane um backstory mm-hmm. because Scarlamane is like her equal and opposite, right? Like mm. equally as deranged, <laughs> like because of his experiences and you know those things that he did pick up and learn through like reading and history and also just like being abandoned and and being experimented on and tortured and but he's also part of the reason why he's like I want to lead the mutes because he does really want to lead them. Mm-hmm. He's like. Humans have suggested subjected us for long enough. This is Monkey Malcolm X. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but I know that sounds like I called Malcolm X a monkey, and I'm not trying to do that. Yeah, but again, you're still trying is, to find your flow. But he, I'm rusty too. Okay, we we make we make mistakes. I am Sterling K. Brown. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> this is us. Um, <laughs> so. You know, he's like, so she's over here shouting about how, you know, human supremacy. He's over here shouting mutant supremacy and keep it in the middle. And love like, can we all just get, get along? along? <laughs> With her heroes on fire. I'm sorry. I got to pause for that. I've been waiting for a chance to just throw that in there because that is the worst but catchiest song I've heard in a children's show ever. I'm like... It feels like someone wrote it in the bathroom in about two minutes, and I apologize for writing to you if, if that's not how that came about, and you really put a lot of thought into it, but didn't really feel that like the best song I've ever heard in a kid's show. Um, but the sentiment was nice, I suppose. Um, but I was like, if they sing this goddamn, standing alone in the fire, you're not alone. Because <laughs> they sing it just like that, too. It's all okay, out of tune okay, and shit. Okay, 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 get back. To your point, you like real. But the point, the point is, like, you have these diametrically opposed figures, and these big ideas that, on some level, you you can actually understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing about any sense of supremacy is that you, on some levels, you can follow the logic. There's a logic behind it, even if it's not rooted in fact and history. Yes. Like, or it's minimally rooted in fact and history. It could ignore okay. some history and only sticks to certain so facts. <laughs> and that's where they're both standing, right? Mm. And so, you know, that's the kind of message that makes things like, you know, this as a kid's show really, like, important and, like, deep. And as adults watching it, too, to really think about, like, how do people sometimes get to where they're at? Mm. And I think, but I think you are also speaking a little bit, too, that we could have also got more of that, hopefully get more of that with Dr. Amelia. Mm. Because we don't know if this is just like, I lived on the surface for five years and I almost died 20 times and now I hate <laughs> mutes. Because there's clearly some humans who have been living on the surface. Like you've had- for some reason in my mind, maybe it's because the old guard, I, I just heard you say she was immortal. No, I did not I say realized she was that. immortal. I, I realized so that. So to rephrase, so what if it's because she spent lots of time on the surface and almost died? Okay. <laughs> And blames mutes for her her rough, you know, life and the fact that maybe it took her a long time before she learned science and rose through the ranks and became mm-hmm. higher up in their society, right? Maybe like, she's just part of a family that passes down 
mute propaganda, anti-mute propaganda. Like, it's true. Like, she could be like, I'm a descendant of Abraham Lincoln. (laughs) And uh, this country is my country because, like, my family has roots in this nation that go back for several hundreds of years. Like, you're like, okay, sure. Um, So, yeah, you really don't know, like, exactly where she's coming from, but you understand the different ways her Mm -hmm. ideology could possibly come about. Mm -hmm. Um, So seeing more of that, perhaps, in the next season will be great, especially because I really am confused about some of it because you think about how, like, there are humans who have been living on the surface. Not a lot of them, but, Mm -hmm. like, you got Benson, you got Wolf, you've got the people who go to Ratland. Because you also have mutes that don't necessarily hate humans. Like, mm-hmm. Ratland, the rats are all like, come up in this piece. We're about to have fun. We're about to party. This is Chuck E. Cheese. They literally, y'all, oh my God, I didn't even think of it that way. They, Chuck it's e. Chuck E. Cheese. cheese. <laughs> You're so <laughs> right. In the entry piece. Oh, cheese. y'all are clever. If anyone's listening from, uh, <laughs> from their crew. Analysis aside, that is clever. It's basically Chuck E. Cheese. You talked yourself into that one. That was a good one. Because it's this little carnival land that's kind of shoddily put together. <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese wasn't that bad. Maybe in the end. Those but... animatronics, though. <laughs> eh, 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 eh. <laughs> the mouth moved like 20 times just so it could say one word. Be like, hello. <laughs> mouth flaps 20 times. Move Head moves all weird. I am Chucky. Er, and you're like, okay, cool. <laughs> um, but the rats are the rats are like the nicest, sweetest things you know like there are mutes who also openly hate humans or like you know we never want to see a human here but they're but even those mutes as we learned through kipo are open they're far more open-minded than the humans like than some of the humans that they're i guess you could say competing against because they meet kipo and they're like oh not all humans are bad and that that continues throughout season two also true and i also wonder if some of the mutes and their like hate of humans come from their memories that they have before oh you're talking about generational trauma yes (laughs) (laughs) i mean you know what it's really easy to talk about that though because we have difficulties like i think a lot of people still understanding that with humans in like real life but we in re- but we also have real life examples of like animals bred and conditioned for certain things where mm-hmm. like we know for a fact that they can be generations removed from a certain incident happening to their line lineage of animal but they still know that that's a threat mm. like there have been experiments that have like shown this mm. or that have bred certain characteristics into like animals because scientists do that shit all the time they'd be like Mm -hmm. we need to know what a scared mouse will do so we're going to spend 20 years cultivating the mice that are the most scared Hmm. and you're like the fuck (laughs) but they do it um and there's reasons we can debate those um if they're worthwhile but um yeah like that that is a very crucial point because we know that that with us as animals but especially with like the rest of the animals in the animal kingdom um, but that's a real thing that you they can pass down that kind of information just genetically. Yeah. And I'm also thinking through narrative and story because like even when um, Hugo came to the surface before he became Scarlet Mane, Scarlet Mane, 
you know, their music were like, we don't like humans. And you're like, so what are your interactions with humans like? Have you actually met a human? True, they're like, or, you smell like humans. Yeah, right? Or if it's, you know, literally just the same thing of, you know, generationally learning that humans are a threat because they try to kill you. <laughs> you know, or they try to harm you. Or because so many stories have been passed down to what it was like beforehand when humans ruled the earth and animals were subjected to their rule and it was like that was cruel and so we don't respect humans we don't like humans like so like where do these narratives come from so you know it's not only you know genetic or like you know a part of i think it's also a part of just the way you know like our lived experience and like how we learn to relate to others that again are like different than what we are True. And can we talk about how in, in the series of humans are still oppressing and subjecting yeah. like animals, including non-mutes? Yeah. So, again, really close parallels with, uh, you know, our current present world in America where, America. <laughs> you know, Netflix and all the, a lot of these writers are coming from. It's like, at least for the show, um, because you're just like, that's that's part of our narrative now is that, like, we have all these histories of things that have happened to us, especially minoritized folks, so like black people, Asian people, of all, all of Asia, Asia's big, so I really weird sometimes saying that, because it's like, there's more, to, you say Asian, most people think East Asian, like Japan or China or Korea, but like, let's be real, Asia's a lot bigger than that. Um, and so I'm including all the folks of Asia, not just East Asia. Um, you know, indigenous folks, uh, Latinx and Hispanic folks, like all these people, who have all these bodily histories, like, you know, this genetic memory, this, the oral storytelling, the written down. And then, you know, we're at a point where a lot of people are like, you got it good. Things are fine. You aren't all kept in cages anymore. And it's like, yeah, but some of us still are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, for all the things that we've gotten, there are still people who are treated like, crap because of their skin color or their perceived heritage or their perceived ethnicity and where they came from and their accent and like all these like very superficial things um and so you know we can have a black president but we can also still have millions of black people locked away in prison for things that have openly been you know approved of as minor offense is like negligible negligible offenses like all these like marijuana charges where it's like oh yeah you know marijuana is finally legal in a lot of places it's starting to be legalized throughout the country and but we're still gonna keep you behind bars even though like uh, some white dude somewhere in oregon can now sell weed yeah. for a living i like, mean you could still have you know black president and still have massive deportations and just like you said, like, you can still live in a country that wants to pretend as if we've gotten past our history of, like, classism, racism, sexism, like, picketism. People want to yeah. pretend like it doesn't exist. And you still have a conversation around the border and children still locked in cages and families still, families still locked in cages, mostly Latinx, but also other... Um, folks who have immigrated to this country for various reasons and those reasons stemming back to u.s interventions and their countries like 
there's all these complicated and deep histories about how we get to the places that we are that if we solely take folks for face value then we're not grappling with that complex history that said it doesn't mean that people shouldn't be held accountable (laughs) for where they are right yeah but it's like it makes it a lot easier to address our present if we understand where we came from and we know where we want to go and i think sometimes that's what makes you know watching the news right now really scary because there's it feels like this concentrated effort to move us backwards Mm. and it's really really concentrated in the way that i think you know progressive leftist whatever you want to call it politics cannot solidify a message and actually like push a future forward and so there's this push this this pull but sometimes it just feels like losing ground Mm. and i think like going back to kipo well this episode doesn't get super super long but like going back to kipo i think that's what we will probably see a little bit of in season three yeah. And so now that like Dr. Amelia has been like unveiled, now that like Scarlet Mane is I think is in the hand of the Timber Cats, the Lumber, the <laughs> T- Timber Cats is the correct The Timber Cats. I always wanna call them Lumber Cats, but whatever. Like and th- I I just feel like there's going to be this this scuffle <laughs> for the scuffle for the surface. Because Keith Law here is like, screw this two-party system. <laughs> yeah. And then you have, true, and then you have Kipo, who again, I think is the series arbitrator, who's suppo- who is supposed to find some way to create, if not peace, understanding, territory, something. Mm. But even the word territory means struggle, because it means I have mine, which you is not yours. yours. You have yours, which is not mine. So any crossing in between those things is a problem. Like, it sets up the stage for a problem. So the question is, is this going to be a balanced thing? Mm. Or is this going to be a radicalization? Like, we just got to change the way we live from the ground up. Literally, because they're living in boroughs. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I like you. (laughs) I don't know. I I, I think I'm curious about what season three brings i really want to see more development of backstories of other characters avi's um i want the rats to show back up avi's especially now that you said chuck e cheese um um, and yeah i think i i have no investment in whether it's either um i'm just always curious about how shows handle a moment of uh, potential social revolution and i think a lot of what sometimes we think about social revolution is always tilting towards positive but i mean like a revolution is just a radical change Mm -hmm. in the ways that like societies work like a major overhaul of sort of the rules and norms social regulations that govern the space and that become permanent so it's just sort of like what will be the the sort of struggle points or points of tension that create a new way of understanding what land land is like what life is like how people understand themselves how animals understand themselves like everyone's going through a moment of transformation right now 
everyone's understanding that maybe it doesn't have to be this way. But then the question is, so where do we go from here? Let's find out. Let's find out. When we get season three, whenever that might be, thanks to COVID. <laughs> um, so, yeah, where do you all think it's going to go? Yeah, let us know. Drop us a comment on our Instagram at... She's Gotta Watch. It's, it. sorry, she's that's the Twitter. So, she, she's gotta watch it on Instagram. She's gotta watch on Twitter. Twitter. Um, <laughs> and then also, you know, if you like our podcast, make sure that you rate us on Apple Podcasts and rate us on all the platforms that you can listen on podcasts at because that gets us more visibility and it lets us know how we're doing. So, you know, just chat with us. We're really nice, obviously. Anyone Is that, that your word of the day? Uh, no, you're, you're getting, you're getting, getting up old. there as a millennial, you know? Oh, okay. We're, we're the new old fogies, according to Gen Z, so <laughs> we don't know all the hip, cool, sling, <laughs> slang, slingalingo. But yeah, thank you for listening to us and, you know, sticking with us as we took a long hiatus, but we're back. And we're really excited. We have a lot to talk about. So I have to talk about work in progress. You should watch it before we talk about it. It's really good. Uh, we really want to talk about Snowpiercer and TNT. So make sure you check out that. That's a. Am- it's. I ain't gonna say it's amazing, but it gets you thinking about some stuff. <laughs> and I'm. Not, and um, I'm really excited to talk about it and clown on it a little bit, but really talk about it in terms of class. Um, anything else quickly you think people should check out before we talk about it? I mean, we got a recommendation for uh, Warrior Nun, which I watched. You kind of watched. So if you like the Witcher episode, then, stay tuned for the Warrior then Nun episode. It'll be real similar. Yeah. But only if y'all want it. Because if you're like, now nah, the Witcher one was too much, then it's cool. I can I can skip it. Okay. But um, you know, leave a comment. Let us know if we should do uh, uh Warrior Nun. Yeah. And the last one on top of my head that I think everyone's watched is Ogard. That will probably be one of the more recent ones or the, what is that word? The one we do the soonest is Ogard since <laughs> <laughs> we just watched it. We don't know words anymore. We really don't. But Also, we know that's a movie. Yeah, okay? that's a movie. We, we know that. Fine. We already um, did, you know, uh, the Little me, Mermaid Let me just once. finish. Let me just we can finish. do movies. Let okay? me just finish. Let me no one, no one's talking back at I'm gonna let you fun. finish. I'm gonna let you finish. But oh Kanye West for president? Is, no, no, no. We're no. struggling, <laughs> but hopefully you enjoyed this episode, and hopefully you check out some of the other um, television shows and movies that we'll be talking about in the future. And again, hit us up on Instagram at she's gonna watch it, Twitter at she's gonna watch. Thank you for listening. This is our outro. Boom, dunk. She's got to watch it. Ow. 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 Ow.